SoSilo Radio. Hello everyone, this is Rihanna and you're listening to Till Shiloh Radio where we discuss human history from the biblical perspective. I hope everybody had a lovely week. I know I didn't upload anything this weekend that had just passed. Um, I had a pretty hectic week and weekend and I feel like garbage for not getting anything up on time. You know, I... I'm getting in the groove of things. I'm trying my best. I didn't even make a mix this week. It's been pretty hectic, but I hope to not make this a normal thing. Um, I mean, I don't have that many listeners as of right now, but, you know, to anybody who is listening and, you know, checking for my stuff, you're greatly, greatly appreciated. You guys have no idea. Um, And, you know, I hope this is helping and I hope this is encouraging you guys to do your own research and you know basically wake up and look around man like you know we are this experience that we are experiencing here on earth it's so temporary you know what i mean like life is like smoke you know it's so it could be gone in the blink of an eye you know and your spirit is what's forever and forever is a long time to follow your enemy into the pits of hell, you know? Um, I watched a video the other day, and a guy was speaking, and he was saying, you know, a lot of people think that God created hell to throw, you know, bad people in, and he didn't. You know, God never made hell for people. He literally made it for these rebellious angels because, you know, they're immortal spirits, So when people sit there and go, oh, what kind of God would sit there and throw his people that he so-called loves into hell? God doesn't put anybody in hell. You follow the devil to hell. You follow them there. You know what I mean? So remember, God gave us free will, you know, and life is what you make it. It's, you know, if you read scripture, you know, there's a lot of people who say they believe in God, you know, and... They're still doing whatever they want to do. And it's only so much you can do besides talk to these people and pray for them, you know. But the the path is very, very, very narrow, you know. And the gate to hell is very wide. Um, you know, these fallen angels, they've they've done a lot. They've, they've done their share and they've done their stuff to make sure that, you know, basically we lead ourselves to our own doom. You know, and it really sucks. It really sucks the days that we are in. You know, you're bashed and you're made fun of if you have faith and believe in the creator. You know, if you believe in Yahweh, the most high God who created all things. That's the end of my spiel. I want to, I want to, you know, I want to jump into where we left off last week. So we discussed, you know, the sons of God and the creation of the Nephilim in the antediluvian period. Um... We also talked about how these sons of God that are mentioned in Genesis 6 are, in fact, fallen angels. And these fallen angels took, you know, the women from the lineage of Cain and created this hybrid race of humanoids, which we now we know. Right. So we talked about it. Now we know them as the demigods of mythology, you know, from around the world. And there's no doubt, you know, that giants existed, especially as a believer. 
I mean, they are mentioned all throughout scripture, but there's also been many findings of giant skeletons scattered from across the world, um, which coincidentally, I thought it was a real coincidence that, you know, they got destroyed by the Smithsonian, you know, the National Museum. I mean, okay, like, I don't want to dive too deep on this, but y'all know this is what they do right like anytime anytime they find something that goes against their evolution theory they destroy it you know and it's anything to make us believe that god and scripture are all fairy tales you know but moving on because that's a whole can of worms i don't want to dive into today um it's definitely for another day but the one thing we didn't talk about so far regarding these nephilim is you know, how were they towards mankind? And did they have anything to do with the fact that mankind had become so wicked in the short amount of time on Earth? You know, in the first episode, I mentioned that the lineage of Cain got pretty out of hand themselves. And Cain was out here building cities and plundering people for whatever he wanted. And he was also the one that invented weights and scales. You know, everything had to be measured because he always wanted more. And this changed the mentality of mankind, you know, instead of being generous, they became selfish. Uh, I also mentioned how Cain and his lineage introduced some of these sacred sciences to mankind and totally corrupted them for their own benefit. You know, these sacred sciences are the same sciences of the secret brotherhood of Freemasonry and Freemasonry and these other secret societies. I mean, they all have their origins all the way back to the same point in time in history. And yes, I'm talking about the same Freemasonry, you know, all seeing eye with the pyramid, a conspiracy theorist's favorite topic, Freemasonry, okay? This is the same Freemasonry, guys, that is a branch, you know, the hidden branch of corruption in our current world, you know, and they're still carrying out this ancient plan to keep us enslaved to sustain this matrix that they have built over the past thousands of years, you know, to control us and ultimately worship their god of light who is lucifer so these fallen angels were kind of like a heavenly mafia that called themselves gods and the humans referred to them as gods as well i mean like people still do um because you know these fallen angels they are the same false gods of polytheism and they are the many false gods that the bible speaks of you see these rebellious angels they wanted to spawn their own creation separate from the natural creation of the most high which led to this boom of these nephilim or demigods or whatever you want to call them you know they have many names um but it led to the to this essential hiccup in the natural order on earth in the many legends like the many different legends of pantheism from all over the world um there's like the mesopotamian account of creation in the great flood um called the Atrehasis Mesopotamian account of creation in the Great Flood, to be exact. I just want to read you what it says here. It says that unrighteous rulers were gathering together to plot the destruction of humankind after humankind began to multiply. Okay, that's what the Mesopotamian account says, which it is recorded in Genesis that this destruction of humankind was to take place. And, you know, this destruction was the Great Flood. Um... But the book of Enoch, it does talk about this exact gathering of angels who talked with God to do his will, which was to, you know, basically put an end to this wickedness on earth. But what I want you guys to see is, do you see how this Mesopotamian tablet, how they call the Most High and his angels unrighteous rulers? 
saying how unrighteous rulers gathered together to discuss the destruction of humankind. Hmm. Really? This is what they do. This is, I mean, it's like no shock, but like, this is what they do a lot in polytheism. You know, they always paint Yahweh, the most high God as the enemy. Okay. I want to read the passage in the book of Enoch that speaks of this exact moment in time. So, you know, in the Mesopotamian tablet, it says, you know, these unrighteous rulers came together to discuss in the book of Enoch. It actually talks about this discussion between, um, the angels and God. So, I just want to read that passage here. It says, And now to you, the holy ones of heaven, the souls of men make their suits, saying, Bring our cause before the Most High. So what it's essentially saying right here in this beginning part of the scripture is um, they could hear the souls of people crying out to God because of the unlawfulness on earth. Um, but it goes on to say, And they said to the Lord of the ages, Lord of lords, God of God, King of kings, and God of the ages, the throne of your glory stands unto all generations of the ages, and your name is holy and glorious and blessed unto all the ages. You have made all things, and power over all things have you, and all things are naked and open in your sight, and you see all things, and nothing can hide itself from you. You see what Azazel has done, who has taught all unrighteousness on earth and revealed the eternal secrets which were preserved in, in heaven, which men were striving to learn. And Samyaza, who you have given authority to bear rule over his associates, and they have gone to the daughters of men upon the earth and have slept with the women and have defiled themselves and revealed to them all kinds of sins. Azazel, so Azazel and Samyaza were fallen angels. Um, and it says... And the women have borne giants, and the whole earth has thereby been filled with blood and unrighteousness. And now behold, the souls of those who have died are crying out and making their suit to the gates of heaven, and their lamentations have ascended and cannot stop because of the lawless deeds which are wrought upon the earth. And you know all things before they come to pass, and you see these things, and you do suffer them, and you do not say to us, what we are to do to them in regard to these. And then comes in the flood narrative with, you know, Noah and everything. So in this passage of Enoch, these angels are going off about um, these two fallen angels here, Azazel and Samyaza, who, you know, they were the most infamous of the fallen angels. And they were noted as the chiefs or leaders of these fallen angels. But it was uh, the angel, the first one, Azazel, who was charged with the whole crime regarding the wickedness of mankind, according to this book of Enoch. Um, so, guys, these angels um, in Enoch, it does go off to say what the angels had taught humankind. It says here, these angels taught humankind the skills of war, the art of jewelry, and all forms of vanity and arrogance. They also taught you know, the women how to use makeup, metalwork, and medicine, and astronomy, and enchantments. It says, it says in the text, it says root cut, cuttings, which is referring, you know, to the magical arts. And it also says here, they taught them promiscuity and unlawful sexual pleasure. So what I'm guessing is like, you know, like I know there's a thing called like, like there's like magic, magic, 
like ritual sex where like you know people have like orgies and stuff to like summon demon it's like weird stuff right so i'm guessing it's all of that kind of like you know what we consider kind of like satanic that weird stuff but it also says here and i'm gonna read it here it says they taught the children of men the smitings of the embryo in the womb that it may pass away so in other words they taught women how to abort their babies okay so imagine like imagine god looking at his creation you know watching them indulge in everything profane you know this is what was happening on the earth and on top of that you had monster hybrids okay that went against the laws of creation and his people worshiping them and these fallen angels like imagine imagine if it was happening in our timeline like i don't even want to like picture it but like i would be so scared for my life every day you know so god charged this angel for the entire ruin of mankind and i just want to read to you that passage in enoch where it speaks of on this judgment and it says here and the lord said to raphael bind azazel hand and foot and cast him into the darkness and make an opening in the desert which is in duadel and cast him therein and place upon him rough and jagged rocks and cover him with darkness and let him abide there forever and cover his face that he may not see light and on the day of the great judgment he shall be cast into the fire and heal the earth which the angels have corrupted and proclaim the healing of the earth that they may heal the plague and that all the children of men may not perish through all the secret things that the watchers have disclosed and have taught their sons and the whole earth has been corrupted through the works that were taught by Azazel. To him, ascribe all sin. So what's interesting is that this angel's name, and I'm sorry guys, I just I just don't like repeating their name so much. But I'm talking about the one, like, the one just now where God said, you know, to ascribe all sin. But, so what's interesting is that this angel's name, um... Sorry, guys, I just don't like saying their names so much, but it translates as scapegoat and it was used in place of scapegoat in some Bible translations of Leviticus. And, you know, also this angel's name is also the name of the wicked goat demon. Um, you know, the one that we all see in pictures, uh, you know, the Baphomet. Uh, remember, guys, you know, the enemy has many, many names, but also in Leviticus, this angel's goat symbology carried the sins of the community. Um, you know, in the ancient Hebrew ritual, you know, the Day of Atonement or Yom Kippur, um, goats were sacrificed. So one was sacrificed to the Most High for the sins of the Israelites and the other goat, um, it doesn't really give you much explanation, but it was set aside to be released in the desert for the sins committed by the angels in the antediluvian period. So in Leviticus 16, verse 8 it says literally this it says he is to cast lots for the two goats one lot for the lord and the other for the scapegoat but the hebrew word in this text for scapegoat is literally the name of this angel azazel in the scriptures translation of the bible um this verse is written in its true hebrew format so this is what it says when you read that translation of the bible it says and Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one for the Most High and the other for Azazel. So it says this angel's name, like flat out, in the 
in the scriptures translation. Um, so this scapegoat was thrown over a hill or a mountain as a reminder of the angel's punishment in the wilderness. Um, the goat was sacrificed for all the sins and the works of rebellion that these angels had caused to mankind before the flood. So Moses ben Nahim, who was a 12th century Jewish scholar, um, he said this regard regarding Yom Kippur. So he says, God has commanded us, however, to send a goat on Yom Kippur to the ruler whose realm is the places of desolation from the emanation of power come destruction and ruin. And it goes on to say his pope, portion among the animals is the goat the demons are part of this realm and are all the and are all goat of mendez and its pentagram representing satanic cultures which are both directly associated with azazel um so this angel you know he gets judged and he's thrown in this prison of desolation and this is supported in scripture as well in first peter 13 uh, verses 19 to 20 where Yahshua goes in to speak to those spirits after he was crucified, where it says in that scripture, um, let me pull it up here. After being made alive, he went and made a proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. So it says flat out in scripture in Peter, when Yahshua went to go speak to those angels after his crucifixion, his crucifixion he went to go speak to those angels who are in prison because of what they did in the days of noah so this again proves fact that the bible is very aware of what these angels did many believe that yahshua visited those angels to show that through his resurrection that the rebellious angels fate and judgment had been officially locked in so remember these angels, it's also stated in the Quran that, you know, the rebellious angels failed to regard the most high's plans to resurrect humankind into immortality forever through the Messiah, Yahshua. And, you know, these angels lost their positions of authority and left heaven and now are in prison until their short release in the end days. And, you know, they await, they await their judgment. So these same angels, you know, this mafia... They're the same ones who are misunderstood as the Greek gods of Mount Olympus, you know, and the gods of Egypt and, you know, the Mesopotamian mythology. Now we know, okay? Now we know that the daughters of Cain got with these angels and birthed these demigods or Nephilim. And we now know just how rotten the world had become in only 10 generations, which resulted in the flood. But the thing is, how did this same situation happen afterwards? Because... Genesis sa says that the Nephilim were on those days and also after. So how did it happen? The same situation happened again. You know, and I want to know, like, I want to talk about when was the rebirth? Okay, remember, even the Israelites got caught up in the mess and started worshiping, you know, the, the bull and all this stuff, you know. So I want to dive into this with you guys as well. Okay, so as I mentioned earlier, I spoke of Freemasonry and those secret societies being birthed in this era. You know, this same religion that was brought in by Cain's descendants, it was a corrupted religion that was enforced by the Nephilim. 
So it started with Cain, and it was enforced by these Nephilim, and it made the people rebel against the Most High, which had them, you know, swimming later in the flood. But what's insane is that this ancient religion of mysticism has been rebirthed in our current generation again, bringing validation to the prophecy and scriptures, you know, showing that this conspiracy is still alive, guys, and it's still thriving right under our nose. But y'all, again, that is tea that I will have to spill on another day as well. It's, it's like so hard for me to stay on track with topics because I always want to go off the deep end and just unload it all. But I feel like for everything to make sense, I do have to take it step by step so I could go into much detail that I can on each topic so it could be clear. But as I mentioned the last episode, um, the seven sacred sciences, you know, taught to Adam by God were passed down to his children, Cain and Seth, but... You know, Cain grew to be wicked after the murder of his brother and he left his family and he rebelled against the Most High and corrupted these sacred sciences for his own gain. Um, his descendants, you know, they totally corrupted this divine knowledge and mixed it with, you know, pantheism uh, with the Nephilim as their god. So this sacred knowledge was split essentially between adam's good and evil son so there was a pure version and a corrupted version of the pure and this is also the split between monotheism and polytheism so the split between believing in one powerful god of the universe and the belief in many different gods this is where it sparked up literally from cain and adam's son seth so we got to go back, you know, backtrack a little bit so we could discuss who preserved this corrupted version of, you know, this divine knowledge. So, all right, here's a 401, okay? So a lot of people, um, they tend to overlook the fact that there was two Enochs in the antediluvian era. So there was the good and righteous Enoch, who was Noah's great-grandfather, and, um, Remember, this Enoch from the Good Branch was so righteous that he was the first person ever to be raptured, okay? And he didn't have to die to get to heaven, right? So there's that Enoch, and then there's Cain's son, right? His first son, Enoch, um, and this was the son that he named the first city he ever built after. And this Enoch was also the mystic who cooked up, you know, the pan pantheistic religions where Freemasonry and these other societies bloom from. So there's that, which is pretty, which is a pretty big deal. And I want everyone to know the differences between the two because it's so important to know for what I'm about to dive into, okay? So I'm going to, for easy reference, call... Enoch from the lineage of Seth, the good Enoch, and the Enoch from Cain's branch, bad Enoch, just so we could differentiate, okay? And this separation is so important to know because I want you guys to see, okay? I want you guys to see how, you know, they try to blur the lines and confuse us to make us believe they are from the righteous branch of, branch of Seth. So these guys being the you know snake brotherhoods of these many secret societies they love playing this game and again everything that i'm talking about in this episode it's all a part of the big huge conspiracy that ends in you know in our doom so 
these craft legends, the craft being the divine sciences of Freemasonry, these legends say that Enoch and his descendants were the fathers of their secret societies, okay? And it also says that Seth chose Enoch as his successor, as the keeper of the craft, and that he was celebrated as the grand superintendent of Freemasonry. And when Enoch resigned, he handed the ropes over to his son Lamech to rule over the government of the craft. And then it continues to say that Lamech then chose Noah as the grand superintendent who ruled over it until the time of the flood it also says that this enoch was um linked to inventing letters and writing known as hieroglyphs to preserve and share throughout the generations this sacred knowledge so this enoch that these freemasons are talking about they also consider him a supreme being because he elevated humankind and had humans of communication with god but you see here's a catch okay this is what these craft legends are saying about Enoch, right? And saying that this Enoch is from the Seth line. But it doesn't make any sense because it's contradicting, right? It doesn't match the good Enoch from Seth's lineage. See, these legends of Freemasonry are talking about Cain's son Enoch, who was way before our good Enoch's time. See, good Enoch wasn't even born until seventh generation, and Cain's son was third generation. So this would put the birth of bad Enoch around the time of Seth being born by Adam and Eve, which would be around 130 years into life on Earth. Um, seeing that that's how old Adam was when he had Seth, right? So it would be around that time. Um, and good Enoch wasn't even born until Adam was around 590 years old. So that's a 460 year difference, like around that, between these two Enochs, okay? And this bad Enoch was also considered the founder or father of, you know, the many mystic religions. So let me talk about this bad Enoch for a bit because Enoch, good Enoch was busy, you know, doing good and doing his own thing. And was known in history as being really focused uh, strictly on God. And again, remember, this guy was the first ever in history to be raptured. Okay, so clearly he was doing something right. But I want to focus on Bad Enoch because this guy is known as many names, okay, in history. And like I mentioned before, people mix him and blend him with the good Enoch. And Bad Enoch is the one who started cooking up the corrupted knowledge and he's part of how it survived after the flood, okay? So he's a key component in this whole, you know, mystery. So guys, this Bad Enoch, um, he was sometimes considered the founder of the Egyptian religion, which was essentially mysticism. And to the Egyptians, Bad Enoch was known as Hermes Trimagistus, okay? or Trismegistus, um, which means Hermes thrice greatest. So he ain't great. He ain't just great. He's great times three, okay? So through Hermes, you know, the Egyptians communicated with the gods, just like bad Enoch had a rep for in the antediluvian period, okay? And Hermes was known to be an Egyptian priest who was the inventor of all sciences, again, which lines up with Cain's son, and Hermes is also known as a saint of alchemists. So if you know anything about alchemy, um, alchemists is always, there's always been like a mystery and like secret, secret kind of way about them. And essentially they were known for like, you know, turning metals into gold. And, you know, when you hear about the elixir of life and, you know, the philosopher's stone, it's all about finding kind of like immortality, but... 
through the works of man. Like man can find the way to immortality instead of getting immortality through God. Okay. And guys, this bad Enoch has so many names. He clearly had importance. Okay. But bad Enoch, um, or AKA Hermes was also known as Thote, the Egyptian God of science and writing. And the Egyptians considered Thote a deity, just like, um, Freemasons. And he was also placed among Osiris and Isis and was the counselor to them. And Thoth is believed to have lived around 3000 BCE and before, which lines right up to the life of Bad Enoch. Um, and Thoth was also the keeper of the magical arts and was the one who revealed all knowledge of the seven sacred sciences and religion to mankind, okay? And Thoth had his own secret society where he shared these mystical secrets to his followers, you know, of his little snake order. Which, guys, this is tea for a whole other episode. There's so much things for me to talk about on here. But right now, we are discussing how did this corrupted seven sacred um, sciences, how did it surpass the flood? So I don't want to go off topic and off the rails. So I'll keep that kind of information. Or maybe I'll do like a whole in-depth on how, you know, Freemasonry and all that stuff really bloomed and grew to this day. But this is the origins of everything, okay? That's what we're talking about. So that's for another day. But moving on, um, Thoth was transformed into a god through wisdom. And he was known as being the inventor of hieroglyphs as well. Sounding exactly like Cain's son, little bad Enoch, okay? And some extra stuff here in my notes that I want to slide in. Thoth is also known as um, the Greek... Hermes or the Romans called him Mercury, but he was known as the deity of learning and the scribe of many gods. Okay, so now we know some of these many names and Enoch was known, you know, as Hermes and Thote to the Egyptians and he was also known as Hermes and Mercury to the Greeks and Romans. But an interesting fact or interesting note I have here that I want to slide in is that the Greeks actually believed that their Hermes was the same as the uh, Thote and Hermes of Egypt and believed him to have built the pyramids in Egypt, which I, which I found very interesting. Um, oh, and I almost forgot as well that Enoch is known in the Quran as Idris as well. And Sufis who follow a more mystical version of Islam, just like how there's uh, Gnostics in Christianity, they speak of this Hermes, you know, thrice great here saying that um like the first hermes lived in the antediluvian era so he lived before the flood in upper egypt and they say that he was skilled in the sciences and was originally named idris whom the jews call enoch okay that's what it says here um some say that the quran's idris is parallel to hermes aka enoch so guys um clearly this guy you know bad enoch Cain's son was quite popular in many ancient cu cultures and was known by many, many names. And, I mean, it appears to be one person when you read all these things about, you know, Thot and Hermes and all this stuff, right? This Hermes, thrice great. But I want to talk about this, th this thrice great, oh my god, it's like a tongue twister. Um, this Hermes, thrice great, or tri Trismegistus. They say that he was three times great because of his knowledge in science. But, I mean, low-key, it could mean three different people, right? Thote the god, 
um, Enoch Kane's son, who was the founder of this knowledge, and Hermes, who was known after the flood as the priest of mysteries. Okay, it could mean that. So this first Hermes, right, who was before the flood, according to, you know, this whole Hermes Trismegistus, right? Um, this first Hermes was before the flood and was known for inventing writing, okay? And Enoch, okay, a.k.a. Hermes, a.k.a. Thote, was worshipped as a god, but Homie was still a man, right? And he wrote these secrets on a pillar for the future generations because of the flood to come, right? So you have you have Noah and everybody knows, okay, a flood is coming. I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean that they some people believed him, right? But this Enoch Cain's son, um, he wrote these secrets on a pillar for the future generations because the flood was coming and he built nine hidden vaults to protect these corrupted seven sciences from the apocalypse. And, and then this second part of this Hermes, this element of Hermes, um, of the thrice great trio was after the flood in Babel. And he was believed to have been the one who translated the pillars that the first Hermes, AKA Enoch from before the flood wrote. All right. And the third Hermes of the trio was understood as being the same as Thot, the Egyptian god of science and knowledge in the era of Babel. And Thot may or may not be Hermes or Enoch, but they say that his wisdom turned um, this Hermes or Enoch into a god. But Thot could have just been a fallen angel who started the ultra secret snake order, you know, of this corrupted divine knowledge. But whatever. Um, this thrice great, like this third version of this Hermes, it's just super loaded in Egyptian mythology and religion. So I did, I didn't really get much from that, but essentially all of these three versions were fused to this Enoch Hermes, you know, making this thrice great legend. And this Hermes Trismegistus became mythologicalized as a spirit guide, kind of like Buddha and Muhammad and Moses, like in that kind of nature. And, but he was thrice great for being the first to attain all knowledge and secrets of the gods. And he wrote them onto tablets with hieroglyphics. So the mystery in this is how did the bad Enoch, okay? How did Cain's son, how did his name become Hermes? All right. In the Legends of the Craft, which is Freemasonry, it says that Hermes was the son of Cub, but... Like, when you read the Table of Nations in Genesis 10, there is not a single cub in there. There is not a soul named so. Okay, so this Hermes here, it kind of makes you wonder if he was or was not a Nephilim. Like, you know, one of the ones after the flood, I talked about in the last video, there was like the Ammonites or the Amalekites. Those guys have no genealogy in the Bible. They're just kind of like, where do these people come from? Those are the Nephilim right? We talked about that last video. So it kind of makes you wonder the same thing. There is no cub in the table of nations who was a son of Shem. So where did he come from? Right? So it makes you wonder, it makes you wonder if this Hermes was an Ephlam or not, you know, because there's no biblical genealogy. And this Hermes here was known as the one who found the pillars written by Cain's descendants, right? With these corrupted sciences. And he's known as teaching the people of Babel, right? Which is after the flood. We know the story of the Tower of Babel. This is an event that happened after the flood. He was known 
as the one who taught the people of Babel this knowledge, this antediluvian knowledge. Okay, so he brought it back. And because Hermes found Enoch's antediluvian knowledge, um, over time, over the thousands and thousands and thousands of years in legend, uh, Hermes and Enoch became blended together over time. And it looks like anyone who preserved this knowledge got fused with the same name. So just like how um, Thot, right? Thot was a was a g Egyptian god who preserved this knowledge as well. And it looks like they all kind of been blended together because they're essentially all doing and preserving the same thing, right? So it very much, it looks like they were all um, different individuals, but all continuing the same thing, right? Making sure that this knowledge survived. So I think I'm going to end it here. Um, as I said before, you know, the Bible is a book written strictly about the Israelites, no other nation. So when looking for information in the same time era, you do have to be open-minded and research the events happening to the people surrounding them, you know, because they are a part of the history as well. Um, you know, we know that the Israelites were, you know, they were worshiping the bull and all that kind of stuff and getting involved in a lot of the, um, you know, like the heathen ways, but you know, like who, in, who influenced them, you know, like you have to be open-minded and look at history all around to puzzle piece the entire story. So, you know, scripture is as literal as it can be, which is why I look at it straight as a history book as well, you know, and honestly, because of modern science, scripture has been poisoned with these allegorical, you know, interpretations. And this has caused a split in Christianity as well, you know, and this like literal and allegorical interpretation of scripture, it's all a part of the conspiracy as well, guys. Like this is the devil's greatest trick. The most high is not a God of confusion and he never changes, you know, and I just wanted to slide that in there and get it off my chest because this is why things are flying over our heads, you know, but Moving on, guys, I really can't stress to you. I'm so relieved and so happy to be doing this podcast. Like, I spent the past couple years doing so much research, and I have, like, piles and piles of notebooks. And, yes, I'm old school. I know we have computers, but I prefer to write everything down. And um, my fiancé and my friends, you know, they asked me, and they were like, what are you going to do with all this information? I mean... Like I was talking about it with those around me and I was literally like a mad scientist just cooped up in my house reading books and researching and I mean I thought about writing I thought about writing a book but it's like where do you even start you know and I, I mean I always wanted my own radio show but I never knew what it would be about and like I wanted it to be something of you know like of substance like I wanted it to be something great you know and I have to give the most high all the glory because he really does prepare you for your seasons and I have an outlet you know I love history I've always loved history and now I have my own show where I could talk about God and I could talk about history since it all goes back to God you know, and I'm bringing validation. I want to bring validation back to the scriptures since, you know, the enemy is working hard, man, and people are falling for it. And I need y'all to put some respect on the creator's name. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but all serious, but no, but all seriousness though, 
the lies that the elite has spread and the fact that we're out here living in this lie like they want us to it's not okay with me you know and it shouldn't be okay with any of us so you know i'm out here i'm just trying to it's just little me i know i don't have that much listeners but who cares whoever is listening god bless you you know i'm trying to help everyone learn our true history out here you know and the bible could back us up the most i got our back you know and you know i guess this is the end of the episode <laughs> i will be back next week to continue this conversation i did say that i kind of wanted to do um more than three episodes on this time era because i definitely went into a lot of detail than i thought i would and like i know i usually do my shows around like the half hour mark like i mean i totally could do them longer like i see podcasts that go on for like hours at a time but i feel like for like like who I don't know like I don't know if, if anybody does have an hour to sit there and watch it like or listen watch me but watch it if anybody does have an hour more to sit here and listen to this and let me know if I should just do them a lot longer but I thought half hour is a good enough mark like you know if you're driving to work and you want to listen I thought half hour is good enough to get enough information out but not like overloaded I think if I break it down like this it gives you enough time to get enough information and still do some research on your own, you know? So, I don't know. If you like the half-hour um, segments here, let me know. But if I could totally do longer, trust I could do longer. I could sit here for five hours and talk if y'all wanted me to, all right? But, yeah, this is the end of, you know, this show. I hope everybody has a good week. Um... I didn't do a music uh, I didn't do a music mix this week honestly I've been like really off my game I haven't really been feeling my best um, so y'all pray for me but yeah like my main thing is you know is talking about this stuff anyways like the music mixes aren't priority for me um, I just thought it'd be fun so you know if you guys wanted to listen to some good music you guys still could and you know, if you want to listen to the show, you still could. But yeah, I'll probably work on a music mix next week for y'all. I mean, it's good practice for me to get my DJ skills in. So that's always a good thing. <laughs> but yeah, so I hope you guys have a good week. And I will be back next week to continue the discussion. Again, if you guys have any questions, you could DM me on Instagram at tillshilocome. And if you are listening to me on Anchor, feel free to send me a voice clip. I would love to answer your questions included in the podcast. Um, you know, like we should talk about things together. If you guys, after I get um, past this whole, uh, you know, this whole history and, you know, the conspiracy of it all, uh, you know, how the secret societies and the government all intertwine. Um, to, you know, these Nephilim and the Antediluvian area, uh, you know, let me know what kind of topics you want me to talk about, because trust me, trust me, I got tea for it all. <laughs> all right, so you guys have a good week, and I will talk to you guys later. Bye. Till Shiloh Radio.